Hello, and welcome to the Overland Journal podcast. I am your host, Scott Brady, and I'm here with my co-host, Matt Scott. I am alive and well. Yes, and we are here with one of the most accomplished automotive journalists, global traveler, adventurer, and now victor of the Land Rover Trek Challenge for 2021. Brian Dorr. So thanks, Brian, for being on the podcast. Uh, For those that are listening, we are going to have a full featured podcast on Brian and his life and his accomplishments uh, that you're going to hear at a later date. But for today, we're going to focus on the Overland Expo and then the Trek Challenge that just happened. I was also fortunate to be able to participate in that event as well. But let's start off by kind of riffing on the Overland Expo. Matt, what was the thing that you were like, this was really, this felt really good about this expo. Overland Expo is an interesting one. We've all been going for a long time. I mean, my, my first Overland Expo Forever. was years ago. Mm-hmm. And you've been going even longer than that. I mean, you, you helped start the first one here in Prescott. And now a word from one of the supporters of our podcast, Red Arc. At Overland Journal, we go off-grid every chance we get. From the most technical trails to crossing continents, it's no match for Red Arc's Topro Elite. This brake controller has been torture tested in the toughest place on the planet, the Australian Outback. Easy to install. Its dash mount remote head makes for quick calibration and ensures you won't be hitting your knees. You can seamlessly switch between proportional for the highway and user controlled for the steepest, most rugged trails out there. You may not trust the terrain you're on, but you can always trust Red Arc's Tow Pro Elite. Tow with confidence by visiting redarkelectronics.com. Overland Expo has changed uh, as the industry has over the years. I mean, one of the things I've always struggled with um, in the Overland industry is I kind of got into it because I wanted to travel. Like traveling was the main goal. Vehicles were the tool that allowed it to happen. And I think this year um, it became really apparent that that industry has definitely taken a, you know, a a back step. Um, It is it is more of a consumer show. You know, I do think that the Overland Expo team does still provide opportunities for training and that kind of stuff, which is admirable. But yeah, they care about it. Yeah, they care about it. But uh, people are there to buy stuff. So that was really, really apparent to me. Yeah, it's like it had fully jumped the shark this year. It had fully jumped this year to where I'm kind of like, you know, I'm not necessarily, you know, I didn't even, Jonathan Hanson and I waved to each other like five times. And we didn't even, like, everybody that's kind of been around the industry is so busy that that community is maybe not there for it, the event. It was work this year. It was it's work. consumer trade show now. So any of us that are in the industry, it's work. It's getting after it. It felt work. like it. I yeah. mean, we recorded seven podcasts. Yeah. We recorded two full Overland Expo daily video. I mean, 20-minute video pieces. We had 14 people there. I mean, it was a like compared to the first Overland Expo, which I yeah. kind of left from my garage and drove 10 minutes to the fairgrounds here in Prescott. But, but there's 30,000 consumers. Yeah, it's insane. That they're, that they're, that they're trying cl- to give a show. They're claiming showed up. That they're, yeah, that, that's their claim number that- Yeah, they um, sold out on that, day that passes. That they told so, us yeah. during one of the podcasts we recorded. Um, and there's what, like maybe 50 kind of old guard industry left that were all at you know the equipped party. I think it's cool that the equipped party is still going. Yeah, I'm grateful um, for Paul and for that. Yeah, there, w- there wasn't that much new stuff at the show this year, but I guess with the pandemic, it's so hard to get materials. It's so hard to, mm. to piece things together that- It was about 16-ish new products. 
Yeah. I went to every vendor and I got a list and I'm building some content for a number of websites. Well, I'd love to hear what you thought, Brian, of like the new products. One of them that stood out to me, which I'm not a huge fan of the, the brand name, but Skinny Guy Campers is a different approach. Um, and it's not like it's a bad name. It's just like, like how do you scale that to a, a broad audience? What if you're not a skinny <laughs> guy? Yeah, I mean, what happens if he sells Can it? To, what happens it? if he sells it to somebody who's not a skinny guy? I don't this know. This is but America. The, the, the way it folds out and the cantilever part is rated up to 600 pounds. You don't have to be a skinny guy to enjoy the skinny yeah. camper. And, and I love the fact that it's cab height. It's it's a very interesting concept. I'm not suggesting that it's something that I would that would be first on my list, but I like the fact that it was different. It's really yeah. cool, but at the center of gravity is really high. It like is for water, high. the batteries, everything are way higher than you'd normally the, have. The side them. entry is an interesting thing because mm-hmm. it does, it does, you know, I I have one of those truck camper things of an AT summit. By design, you 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 get in through the tailgate. It's a totally different setup. So just totally so you guys, you guys that out there that haven't seen this before the skinny guy camper is a uh truck topper type camper but it's an entire camper system not just a topper yeah it's a whole module it doesn't utilize the entire truck bed you can still put a drawer system under it to access through the rear tailgate the camper flips open to the back and cantilevers over the back so the entire top is a tent there's no hard top to it and you enter from the side and step into essentially like a basin that is a full camper so dinette uh sink stove all that toilet shower all of it all of it crazy yeah so it's, I think it's actually for some people it is going to be a, a winner because you have a, a garage and you're right at your limits of height. Or if you go and you work downtown and you're parking in a parking garage, or if you travel in the Pacific Northwest on the trails and they're super tight or whatever. I, I like the fact that it was, it was different. It was kind of out of the box thinking. What did you find, Brian, that you thought was different out of the box thinking that, that maybe surprised you a little bit? And out of the box is tough. There, I don't, I don't know if there was anything that jumped out at me at that. The one thing I think this industry, a lot of it is improving on what we already have. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, right? So evolutionary or micro adjustments up and somebody kind of takes another idea and goes with it. So the one that I saw that kind of stood out as like a kind of maybe a big leap. I haven't used it yet, so I don't want to make judgment, but the iCamper Disco series. Yeah, it was interesting. So it's just essentially most of us know about the Scottle is the, you got to have one as an overlander, right? You got to have a Scottle there. It's a fun communal uh, cook system made basically from a plow disc. So it's not anything new. They've been doing this all over the world for years, but it's a commercialized product here in the U.S. It's well-made. Um, Jerry and the Tembo Test crew are great people. Yeah, nice, um, nice folks. They got some cool new accessories for theirs this year, the table and stuff. But the iCamper Disco series is essentially the same thing, but you can also use it like a normal stove with a pot. You can hang it over a fire, use the tripod to do cast iron cooking. It has a threaded insert on the top, so you can use the tripod as a camera tripod. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty versatile piece of equipment mm-hmm. for what it is. Is, uh, it's 500 bucks, so it's not cheap. Um, and it, I don't think it's going to be very light either. I didn't get a chance to like carry yeah, the, all of it. But. I, I did carry the tripod super light. The tripod uh, is. Okay. It's um, pretty stout. It's pretty beefy. It, it, and I think it's because of the dimensions of the legs. You know, they're, you know, it's they're looks square like a two-inch two two square. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. The the disc is fairly heavy. So I think, yeah. and they and each each piece goes in, in its own bag, which I thought was kind of interesting. I think it, if you travel as a family or you tav- travel in a group, it's probably a great choice for me you know, just to give me a single burner stove and it's just a, a great solution, but you can see why it would work really well in a group or with a family setting. Another thing that I saw that was really cool was a Rubicon EP. I'm not familiar with their company in the past, but actually I've covered them before. They make a hitch receiver that holds a rooftop tent vertically. 
and pivots it down behind the vehicle. So mm. it's not on your roof. It mm. hangs off the rear hitch of the vehicle and then sets up from that. Interesting concept. It's been a while for, around for a while, yeah. That has, yeah. But their new product is called the Corral and it's a bike rack for five mountain bikes off the back on, on a tow hitch. Not a new concept, totally been done by a million people, but theirs is like really cool, high-end, uh, intricate metal work, all aluminum, powder coated. They had like orange brackets that were like kind of three-dimensional with like triangles cut out. Just really nice. And it uh, nothing touches the rack besides the tires. So you're not going to get any scratches on your $13,000 downhill bike or whatever. Um, but they're 1800 bucks, a pricey bike rack. When you checked it, how about rattling? Did it seem like it was pretty well? Really well. The mechanism that they have that, uh, this got this camming mechanism with a latch, uh, that's really, really nice. And I think well thought out, like that's, that's where it wins probably is that mechanism for, um, controlling the bikes. So they're not swaying all over the place and whatnot. Mm. So I think that's why you pay the money to buy that thing. Another thing I saw that I really liked, I did see it at mountain West in Colorado is the new dimension water system. I thought that was yeah, pretty clever. Yeah. They we called, know the guy that designed it. Who, uh, Owen killed it on Owen that thing for sure. It, yeah. yeah. And and I had a, I did an interview with him, really thoughtful engineer. And he, he really spent a lot of time trying to figure out how do people need to interact with water. And it comes in at 11 liters. You can kind of overfill it a little bit, slightly higher than that. A big fill port that can also be a cleaning port. So you can actually fit a hand down in there and clean out the inside. And then they've got this magnetic mounted, basically faucet which so for the scout camper that I use, they, they set it up with a lifesaver jerry can on its side and it just leaks. It just like, I've used lifesavers a bunch and I've never had yeah. them leak because I always have them standing up, Vertical. But, leaks. but on its side, it leaks. It leaks out of the pressure thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mine kind of somehow leaks out of every, everywhere, which they don't do when they're standing up. So that it's an important distinction. Important distinction. But, but I think that this Dometic system where you can just have all these little 11 liter, you know, maybe three or four of them that you carry along on a trip, depending on the length, maybe a few more. I, I thought it was really clever. I mean, what did you think of that, Brian? It's really well built. Yeah. Um, nicely done. Functionality of that is cool. Like that's, that's one of the only products, uh, for, uh, my my four wheel vehicle that I saw at the show that I was like, I could use that. I, I that yeah. would fit in my GX. Like that'd be pretty cool. And that's interesting that you say that. Cause that for me, it was the one thing that like, where do I give you my money? Because right. like, that's actually going to solve a whole bunch of problems for me today. So, and that was one of the few products that were like that. And it has a battery operated pump system. That's the cool part. So it has a hose and then a, like a separate and you can, it's a magnetic base on it. And you yeah, put a little super magnetic clever. cut wherever you puck, wherever you want. And you can yeah. have it on a side or upright or however it fits in your system. Um, so I think that might might work on top of my uh, fridge system, totally GX, and have like flowing water. Right and you can kind of move it around, or you can put it up high and use it as. A, I mean, I'm sure that they're going to come out of some kind of shower solution, right. and and I believe that on a single charge, it'll pump a hundred liters. So essentially, eight or not eight or nine by USB. It does. Yeah. It does. So it's super. It's way lighter than I thought it would be. Yeah, and right. it's and it's tap start. So if you're yep. Like in, t in the day of COVID and other things, like if you're just trying to like, or you just use your nature's head or whatever, and you could just like tap it with your elbow and, and mm. it starts pumping, it'll shut off automatically at a minute so that it, it just in case it gets accidentally bumped, it won't pump out all your water. So there was a bunch of really thoughtful pieces around that. I mean, it's, Dometic is a big company. I have to give them credit for somehow making really great products, like products that you'd normally see from small bespoke manufacturers. Like their new fridges, their new CFX line of fridges are, well, I mean, this is a, I can drop this because <laughs> it's coming out in Overland Journal, but it won our Overland Journal test. First time it's By ever a country been, mile. Yeah. And it's first time a National Luna hasn't won. 
Yep. So um, really good product. So congrats to Dometic on that for sure. I, th- I thought that the ATO run a Terra Camper was pretty cool. Yep. Um, you know, it, it's nice to see. I'm a big fan of hard-sided campers. They have a lot of advantages advantages for four-season travel, for just sleeping comfort, for, yep. for a lot of reasons. Mario did a great job. And my favorite thing was how the drawer, you know, the drawers where you store your clothes pull out to become a larger bed surface. That was very clever. I, I, I thought that the, the the sides, the angled sides were a little bit weird at first until Brian, you and I were talking about it last night. And you said, well, the footprint of where you stand, where the cabinets aren't, means that you don't have to have the height there and you get the additional aerodynamics. So I just crawled around the camper all morning doing a photo shoot on that truck and camper. And it was interesting because I literally was up in the corners and stuff crawling around trying to get interior shots of the camper. Yes, those sidewalls get in your way when you're doing weird stuff like that. But functionally standing in the middle or the way you're the way you should sleep, totally not an issue. Yeah. Like you would think it would be, but it's even sitting in the dinette. I'm tall. I got a huge torso. No issues whatsoever. Yeah, super nice. And it makes it very strong. It makes it extremely strong structure, yep. which means that they can use lighter materials. And then it also has the, we all deal with it. When you're on the trails, trails are not level. So trails that are at an angle or trees that are at an angle, you gained all of that yeah, that's additional where I clearance. The crap out of my earth. Same with the, the scout. Side. It's a yeah. straight up and down side. And yeah, that I like. The, the only thing I didn't care for is just the rhino lined exterior. I, yeah, they've got they've got to do something about that. I mean, that like I'm not trying to. It's an amazing product. It's just that does some, not. Some people do like that. I just it works and it's appropriate, but it just makes it feel cheap. It right? makes like it feel it's like not, it's, but yeah. it's it makes yeah, it like feel it's home. A, it's homegrown. A, it's yeah. a real high quality product. But it also adds quite a bit of weight. So um, I know that those are, they're fairly light spray on products, but they do add a lot of weight. Maybe it's even not a lot of weight. They add weight. They add weight because you got to look at the alternative to it, right? So the weight versus something that's as strong that can protect the exterior of the, mm. of the camper would probably be heavier, honestly. Mm, maybe. Spray fair, on. fair point. Like for the durability and impact protection and sticks and everything else, like aren't going to puncture that. You could have the hailstorm like you guys had here in Prescott that destroyed buildings and cars and everything yeah, it's else. destroyed our buildings. Yeah. Yeah. Our buildings and my 9-11. And your 9-11 and the hood of the gladiator. Although when Dave Souza from turn, who's the designer of the camper, the, the structure of the camper. When he was in the middle of doing that, he brought me over and held one of the panels and he said, and he handed me a giant crescent wrench. He said, hit it as hard as you want. And I mean, I wailed on this thing and it didn't even leave a mark. So the panels themselves are very strong. And yeah, I know that there are some proprietary components that are done in the assembly of the panels and maybe they're trying to cover up with the lining, but just cover up those parts and then make the other parts, I think, I think have Having a gloss finish, yeah. I mean, like, like looks looking more at, elegant. Looking at looks like more high end. My Gladiator camper, that's yep. you know the the AT Summit. One of the the best features about that is it looks integrated and it looks premium because it looks premium it's paint yep. matched. Yep. If I put that same camper on my Gladiator and it was black Rhino lining, like my problem with it, it and it's not it's not it's not Rhino lining, right? But like no. it's something like it. Yeah. Spray. When, when I see people who bedline their trucks, I generally don't. Associate them with premium products, and that's a shame because, like you said, it is is probably the right way to do that from a functional standpoint, but it just doesn't have the feel that like we might want. Well, and I always it, it's that stuff is slightly porous, right? So 
No, it's fully sealed. No, like the there's there's little nooks and crannies to it, there's right? There's texture like, to it. Yeah, there's texture to it. Like on the Earth Rummer, it has bedliner or whatever on the on the bottom half. I can never get that clean. It is yeah. such a pain to get clean. Yep. And since they also do it on the inside, like you're not you can't power wash the inside. But we're getting into semantics here. I mean, yep. the, the camper itself. Yeah, that, is, I mean, it's just really fantastic. We always looking. yeah, we always try to give both sides of the coin, and yeah. I think that that's that's our duty as journalists to do that. So the Terry camper was great in all ways. And I don't, I don't mind that. I do mind, but I don't mind that. That's not like a stumbling block it for me to be buy like it. Stopper. The, the only thing for me as an adventure sport person is there's no ability to put a roof rack on it. Mm. So that's the dead stop for me. But we did, I did talk to Mario about that. And the answer is, especially with someone like myself that has a third member to the family. Now you buy the four door and then the cab sticks out farther than the overhang. Oh, and sure. You just put a rack on the front of the cab yeah. and then you're good. On there the is camp- a way around that. Yeah. And on the camper front too, um, um, I got to check out the new V2 of the GFC camper. Mm. Um, I know they've been out for a little bit, but this, you know, none of us have been able to go to shows or really see stuff in person. Those are really cool. I mean, it is a drastic departure. I had one of the first ones. Yeah, what a great drastic, company. Drastic departure. I'll have to dig through the second one. I haven't seen it. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't necessarily know how to explain this, but, you know, they kind of build it as a square. But if you look at the, the, the shape of most pickup beds, they're not square. They have a slight curvature to them. But there's a lot of thoughtful design features where, like, the camper will be completely flat and it'll go down to the bed. But then it will it will follow that radius with a separate panel that comes out for better ceiling. Um, mm-hmm. They're using a, a better hinge on their panels. Um, I was, you know, love Graham, but was never really a huge fan of that rubber seal they used. There were there were theoretical advantages to it, but, you know, like it, it uh, water didn't drip down and stuff. It felt like a super premium product that was really, really well engineered. There's a lot of CNC components and it, it was... It's always it, had the good shiny look, let's be it, honest. It, but this takes it to that. another level yeah. i look um, forward to seeing the second one i haven't seen i haven't yeah played the really cool they i think you and their tents are made in america now so yeah yeah um that was cool you know i think i think if there's any like negative trend i saw in the industry at this is there is there is like a metric crap ton of rebranded alibaba stuff i always have to yeah. like remind the consumer that like you know you are paying twenty two hundred dollars for a three hundred dollar tent that somebody didn't even manufacture there are entire brands now that shall remain nameless, but we're next to AEV that specialize in just, we're just going to order this stuff. It's nothing that they've engineered, nothing that they've manufactured. You know, they're, they're pulling off of the, you know, innovations of the rest of the industry and they're just, they're just rebranding it and putting, you know, some kind of, they're throwing overland on Alibaba crap. Let's get back to some really cool stuff we saw there that people are innovating, right? One, we're all motorcycle guys as well. So one thing I thought that was really cool was Moscow Moto had a a, a new woodsman pant. It's a, so cool. It's their second generation of it, I believe. Yeah, it was so uh, But the first gen sold amazing. So they have an in-boot and an overboot. I'm an overboot guy. It's just, I don't know, in-boot seems a little weird to me, but they're not inexpensive. They're 300 and 350 bucks, depending on over or under boot. Um, but it's made of a short Shoulder fabric. It's completely waterproof to just above the pocket legs. And then above that in the front and on the back. Um, so if you're going through a puddle or something, you're not going to get wet. But in the top, like the, where the top of your legs are, it's completely breathable. So it's really good for riding in a variety of temperatures. They look good. They're four-way stretch and it's a shoulder fabric that's completely abrasion resistant. So even if you go down on pavement, you're protected. Yeah. And you could see some of their new colorways of, of like their jacket pant combo mm. looked really, really good. They've got mid layers now. Peter's doing 
and Pete's doing a great job. Yeah. Him and his team are doing a great job. It's, so. all, it's all about not looking like a spaceman. I mean, exactly. the gear that I wear right now, I look like a spaceman. The Moscow stuff, you, you could wear those woodsman's Space pants out to, the, out to the bar after riding totally. with some normal shoes and people wouldn't flinch. I yep. really like their bags, you know, as with most things. I ride life. with all their bags. They're you awesome. Know, bags, clothing, most yeah. expedition gear. I'm on the Scott Brady hand-me-down program. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I've got, I've got a set of his Moscow bags and I, I like them. They're just really well thought. Totally. I, yeah, I like totally. the company. I like what they stand for. I like that they're innovating. You know, I think they just have a unique look on things, the direct to consumer thing. You know, their stuff is, it's not cheap, but it's not as expensive as it could be. Any competitor's product that's anywhere near as good is considerably more money. Yeah. And they do it by selling it direct and not through mm. retailers. That's just the way that they've decided to go. But they're a very core team of people. Every single person I don't person know why you'd want to sell through most power sports shops. Like they're, they're incredibly depressing. <laughs> like they just want to shove... <laughs> credit cards and financing down your throat and sell you a UTV. I think you got to get away from the ones in Arizona, buddy. Yeah. There are some good power sports shops out there, yeah. but I know what you're saying. I mean, like there's some good like dirt bike shops specifically, but some great I... core motorcycle shops that the guys ride. That's the thing, right? Like, yeah. And, and they're not, they're not about selling your product. They're like, this is a lifestyle. This is what it's all about. Like, it's pretty cool. Well, all of our motorcycle shops in Arizona are owned by GoDaddy and uh, <laughs> they'll finance that. Perfect. So. I mean, I can buy a fancier bike for less or for less money a month. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> one other product that I saw that just is a slight update that was cool that I've used a little bit in the past. And now I want to use a lot more is the Onyx off-road mapping system. Yeah, way oh, the better. 3d thing was Dude, super cool. It's amazing. Like it's the, they have a new 3d view mobile view. So you used to be able to do this on laptop, but now you can do it on your phone. And it's yep. like, you can like if there's an arch in the desert. You can it find it. Like I was in. looking at area 51. He was, I saw that this morning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool. re- I was it's really the rebel rally route. Which it's really good. Now it shows also active wildfires, which I think is really interesting. And then by the time this podcast hit, um, you're going to be able to have access to it through Apple CarPlay Very and cool. Android auto. Big innovations are coming out from Onyx that are extremely exciting and encouraging. So uh, that platform continues to improve. So that's a good one. Did you see the photographer angle on that? The, the moonrise and sunrise and all the yeah, weather data? All the weather stuff. You just really... touch anywhere on the map and it gives you instantaneous like what's going on. Like as a photographer, that's so invaluable. Yeah, it's really, really, really good. Let me ask you guys a couple more questions because I think that these, these are interesting thoughts. What vehicle that was there would you want to take home and have in your own garage? Let's pick out a small company like mom and pop that we'd love to get a, give a shout out to that we think are doing cool stuff. Do you want me to play marketing, Matt? Or do you want me to be like actually honest as to what vehicle I would take home? Honest, Matt. Yeah. Mike McMod's Earth Roamer LTI. Okay. Well, I want Mike McMod's brute. So now Mike has no cars. <laughs> thermal, thermal camera, carbon fiber body. Yeah. Some really thoughtful additions. This is the first time I've been in an LTI. Yeah. Um, KVH antenna. Yeah. Um, so that's broadband internet anywhere in the world for those that are listening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, small company, I mean, it's, a, it's maybe more of a well-known company. You know, I, I bought another demo shovel when I was there. I was kind of like anti demos for the, a little bit. The but new they, one's pretty burly. They, they, the they new fi- one's they awesome. Fixed, they fixed the problems and now they're and really, listen, like Su- they're really Susan's fantastic. Always has been fantastic. It, it took me a while to kind of like, that's a lot of money for a shovel. Um, yeah, the new one's really great. Good. The new one's great. It's the really mounts, good. the mounts really nice. Yeah, and, and sure. you know, she hustles and there's a good product and they really stand behind it. Um, you know, and they have this little tiny booth that, that was for me. Um, I loved that new shovel. So yeah, I, I use one. That's my shovel yeah. that I carry with me. Yeah. They, they work all, great. It's on my GX all the time. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, what about you? So vehicle and pr- that's pro- your demos is your product. All right. Product for me, small company. Uh, I'm going to throw out stuff 22. Yeah. I was thinking of that. They had too. some really, really innovative stuff yeah. and how they're working with the materials, like pretty decent price points on some of the stuff. Some of the bags really Premium. don't work for me and, and I've used a bunch of their stuff, but some of their new stuff, they're just really well thought out and they all have a versatile angle. Mm-hmm. They're new, like, I'm not a big Molle guy, like just not, I don't know. It's, it's, oh, a, little, so it's a little tactical for me, um, but they have a Velcro Molle system that I hadn't seen before. So it's like, suit. it's even more versatile than Molle. Um, doesn't, and it looks cool. They have a new like chameleon bag. That's like a kitchen type bag they can use for other things as well, but it's mm. kind of hard shell clamshell thing you hang. Yeah. I don't um, know what they're doing with that hard shell, soft shell kind of stuff on a lot of their, I love their bags. Adam was kind of walking me yeah. through a few of them and I'm going to have to pick a few up like yeah. really good stuff. He's got a new bag. Yeah. Or the name of it, but it's like this huge duffel like thing. And it has these crazy zippers that zip down to the bottom and it flops really open like a flower. It kind of opens up and you can just like pile stuff in there and mm. zip it up and then roll the top and it's completely sealed. So wet recovery gear and stuff like that. And you can cinch it as small as possible. That kind of innovation is cool. Like he's definitely, he's not knocking anything off. Like he's just he's seen, doing his own he's thing. Desi- it's his own angle. Some of the stuff I don't think works perfect, but a lot of there's, like there's really almost cool. nothing that he makes that is like super similar. No to anything else in the market. Yeah, some of his tools to are really thoughtful. Because yeah. Yeah. again, there's so much like monkey see, monkey do. He, and, and he has his own little, like not his own, but he's the only one in this industry using some of the little zipper pulls, different things, the parts and pieces. If you look at one of those really closely, they're well thought out and made. Like it's all, every yeah. piece on it is is purposeful. and Made, made for overlanding and not like repurposed for yeah, overlanding. Yeah, t- totally. Overland and travel. Some of the stuff's yeah, like yeah. great because you can use it. Some of the dop kits and stuff are yeah. great for that. Yeah, yeah. Like that. So what which, about, which about, truck? Yeah, which one do you want to steal and drive home? So yeah, man, there was there was kind of two, and I, I flip flop between the two. One is was in the Step Twenty Two booth actually was the Maltec two. So amazing! Oh, yeah, that's that not new. Cool. We've all seen it before. So rad. How was that in the country? Is that like based on a U.S. truck? It is. It's a U.S. truck. Is that, it? That's okay. a U.S. Tr- that specific one is. Yeah. yeah so they, you just like, ship your two hundred over. They cut it up and cool. Send it back yeah. in. Carbon box on the back. V eight power. I yeah. mean, it, I keep looking at their troopies and I'm like, yeah, I drool constantly on those. I drew constantly. Yeah, 80 I, series underneath a 70 series troopy body. And then I realized like, that's a less comfortable version of exactly what I used to drive. <laughs> it was entirely. If you're smart. You no, there's the, the, there's the romance. I mean, you can't, it's okay. There's to a like total full, romance yeah, to totally. to me. I mean, yeah, like that totally. was like the formative years for me and Laura, like driving around Australia in our troopy, but yeah, yeah. Slowly, slowly, slowly. I drove that's why you get the, get the troopy with the V8. Then it's, it's, it's faster, but it's like still dangerous, still super dangerous. Just, just put an LS in it. And yeah. play 80 series frame with coils under it. I mean, like even better. the 80 series frame now isn't is still it's so noodly. It's so noodly. Yeah, yeah sure. so noodly. But the one the one I probably would have driven away with if somebody like all right, pick one and take the keys for my wife and my young kid and being able to put like gear on it, uh, kayaks and stuff is the new Terra Nova camper from Earth. Looks really Cruiser. good. Yeah, it's it, it's a one done truck with a full featured quality system pop top camper that has tons of sleeping area for easily for a family of three or four. Mm. Um, and they can, there's enough room in there to like move around and do stuff. That's, Every that's system the one is well thought out in the world. Yeah. It's, Cause you'd be comfortable in the cab. Mm-hmm. You'd have plenty of room and it has a pass through. It has a pass through with person. a pop-up. Yep. I mean, to me, it's like an evolution of the bread van one. 
The Fuso based the one. The Fuso one. Like, like love everything that Earth Cruiser has done. I'm never going to want to drive a bread van around the world. <laughs> like, I don't care if you put an LS in it. The and form lockers. factor is cool, but. Like, it's super practical, but I'm not a super practical person. You know, like, fact. yeah, like. I, I will I will take an extra couple of feet to have a 6.7 liter turbocharged V8 and a 10 speed transmission and like air conditioned seats and stuff instead of a Fuso that costs more yep. with and, less room. And they'll do it on any one ton US yeah. truck. So like Ford, me, Chevy, or Ram. Ram. A new Ram 3500 with that interior. In too, yeah. I mean, imagine the whole AEV catalog thrown at it plus, plus that camper would be sick. 40s Prospector XL with a Terranova. Sick. With a custom rack on the roof for my yeah. kayaks. I'm in. I, I think so I'm with sick. you. I think, I think like I'm not like a super huge fan of the pop-up. Mm. Like for me, yeah. I, I don't know. I just. I wanted to be a pop-up so I can put kayaks on the roof and still fit through holes like under bridges and stuff yeah yeah <laughs> oh, it totally makes it's sense. the only thing i would drive other than my earth roamer on the market right now mm. and it's half the price it, i can put it's it about a, the same price as a used earth roamer yeah it's about the same price as a used you get a brand new they're brand new truck with a warranty almost 300 grand yeah yeah, yeah. just under 300 yeah and yeah, well did, with the prospector xl it's gonna be a little yeah <laughs> they did they did a great well, job like a full that. prospector conversions depending on how it's outfitted is 20 to 30 which i mm. which i'm not trying to say that that is not a significant amount of money you know you could travel around the world Double with signs. that yeah. and that's the most important thing for this podcast is that it is about travel we can't get distracted with the shiny things but, but overland expo is about the shiny things. overland now, expo is about the shiny days, things and like to have a turnkey solution from a company like aev for 20 25 maybe 30 if you're going like every you're ticking every light bar and whatever and it's oem quality testing and that's the key and it's done it's turnkey and that's labor like i'm convinced that like if you're trying to put a truck on 37s or 40s and you want to do bumpers front and rear and it's probably cheaper you can go and you can spend seven thousand dollars on an icon kit for your truck and it's 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 arguably not going to perform as good like they're solving issues differently they're they're doing issues yeah yeah, they, they still have geometry issues where aev is correcting the geometry which on a heavy vehicle is super important so AV wins on the geometry and getting that all correct. I don't think they're as good as these crazy systems in terms of shock shocks. And yeah, but you can always add those shocks if that's something that you. But also, in. when you're overlanding, you probably shouldn't be going anyway. Totally. public roads. Self, yeah. Brian. These are these are public roads. <laughs> I, I know you do drive a TRX, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, but you're right. That's yeah. like you don't need all the lights like I have on my GX. There's if I get anywhere near outrunning those lights, I'm going way too fast. Yeah. Like it's not yeah. there's public roads, there's grandparents out there trying to get to their grandkids, yeah. you know. So in this country and every other yeah, country exactly. they were trying to travel. Exactly. Nighttime's beer drinking time for the campsite. Never drink and drive. Thanks to this week's sponsor, GCI Outdoor. Whether you're heading out for a weekend of adventure in the woods or to your backyard fire pit, GCI Outdoor gear is ready for whatever you have planned. GCI Outdoor has been around for 25 years, so they know what they're doing when it comes to the best in portable recreation gear. GCI has innovative products ranging from outdoor rockers to complete camp kitchens and everything in between. And with a limited lifetime warranty, you know they stand behind everything they make. GCI Outdoor Gear is comfortable, durable, and built for adventures, big and small. Try them out for yourself. Head over to their website at GCIOutdoor.com and save 10% off your first purchase when you sign up for their email list. Thanks again, GCI. Let's transition to Trek and chat about that. Scott's got to give us a company and a truck. Oh, yeah. 
company, company and a uh, product from Expo. Yeah, I think I think Small the, company. Ve- the vehicle that I would drive home is Mike's Brute. I mean, it's just <laughs> there's just something about yeah. it. There's just something about it that I. It's a Brute pickup, right? Yeah, yeah, I just really appreciate. I mean, I'm, I'm, not I'm fortunate. A two door Brute pickup. Yeah, I mean, I'm fortunate that I do get to drive it regularly to keep it uh, running, keep it in service. Yeah. So, but um, yeah, it's. I think that um, yeah, the vehicle thing is becoming less interesting. You know what? The other option I would pick there was a, a 1200 XC Scrambler Triumph Scrambler. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll take that because I what, actually want to stick. Of the truck house camper, I, like I peeked at it a little bit, and it's really well made. They are, they are they have done a wonderful job on with the wrong chassis with a chassis that cannot be legally driven. So, so I don't know how you do it. So, so. I, I talked to him a bunch about that because I, I wrote one of the original stories on that. Yeah, and uh, the it still gets a lot of traffic, but it, the it's the wrong chassis. Period. For, yeah. it, according, so, so not what, according to them, but so they so, they they are saying that it's because they didn't want the vehicle super high, which it would be it's eight inches shorter than my Earth Roamer, but it would be taller. If it was on a smaller, a taller chassis, probably because of the height of the camper. The cam- it's amazingly built. The quality no. looks really, really good. I know across the materials. The bo- across the board. It. Across like they the board, reinforced, yeah. they did everything that you w- you are supposed to do right. to theoretically increase but your GVW, but there's no legal provision yeah. to increase the GVW. And they're not going through the testing to do that. And it is red, you, you registered as a Tacoma and you insure it as a custom RV. That's what they told me directly. It doesn't add up. If you get an accident you are so screwed but but like, here's like i i get the sentimentality to the tacoma absolutely you know people like that i get the the sun raider Even or whatever way better but trucks. so what's a price we could agree on for a tacoma trd pro because people are selling them over sticker they <laughs> yeah, they're, in the, they're in the high 40s they're in the high 40s mm-hmm. okay so let, let's take that high 40s and then they're putting a, a curry rear axle so they're re-gearing the entire truck so extending the frame extending the frame so that's a new reinforcing drive shaft. the frame new drive shaft they're offering an option of a supercharger which well, long i just went to the debacle of supercharging my gladiator and i'm ripping it off because like it was terrible um, so you're ruining, potentially re- ruining the reliability of the motor. You're Maybe. putting a non OE drive line in, in the rear. Um, you're putting but, but more, travel but more front. So your CV angles are really tall. And- well, I mean, in theory that the, the farther you stretch that control arm, the lower the angle is, I can get that, but then you're doing body work to accommodate that, that, that. Mm-hmm. So at the end of this, you're, you're building a full Tacoma. I'm just going to go out and say that you're spending 70 to $80,000 on the truck more probably yeah probably more so i can go and buy a 30 trimmer a trimmer yeah loaded i can buy i can buy any american pickup truck i want you, you can buy a tradesman prospector xl for that no money. no dude you can buy a you can buy a a, a laramie prospector xl for that like like laramie prospector, prospector a laramie, XL or a a laramie 2500 or a laramie 3500 starts in the 60s yeah. and you're talking you're talking 20 ish to put it on there yeah i want these guys to be so successful 100%. because they're, they are so talented yeah. but super talented. He, here's the challenge it's a it's going to be a three hundred thousand dollar truck and camper. So someone who can afford a $300,000 truck and camper is going to have a net worth that if you get in an accident, if you lose control with that truck and you run into a school bus or anything else for that matter, they're going to go, they're going to go after truck, you know, they're going to go after truck house first. And they're going to realize like, these guys have five cents to scrub together. 
and then they come back to the person who has enough money to spend $300,000 on a camper. Your your insurance is, as soon as that happens, your insurance is going to be like, oh, this vehicle is modified. Yeah. And like, I, there's just, there's no legal way around it. It's just like, it's super cool as a home build. I, I, I They've lo- sold I love six it. of them with a $50,000 non-refundable deposit. I wish them the absolute yes. best. Yeah. They're absolutely. beautiful and they're, they're cool. Beautiful. Like, super they're cool. gorgeous. They're well, gorgeous. well built too. I mean, let's put it out there. They you did know, it right. They did. Like, they did. The wrong chassis. <laughs> There's just like, no way around it legally. People that used to work for Earthroamer yeah. were complimenting their quality. Yeah. Yeah. There's, that's there's r- that's a compliment in the Sunraider thing because that's where they come from, right? They wanted that that Toyota. Cool well, they've already thing. got all six people who are sentimental enough for yeah. a sun for a. Yeah. For, for a camper that sells for 15 grand right now to drop. People love the I, Tacoma, right? I, I, I mean, think, that's the bottom line. If you're a fan, I think I heard 430 for how you actually want it equipped. Yeah. So we we are going to talk about Trek. Yeah. And I'm just going to interject witty remarks. I like this. Yeah. This is great. So we just talked about Overland Expo. Now we're going to talk about the Trek event, which Brian Dore, who's with us today, won with along with his team. And who was on your team? Absolutely. We had Jeff from Hooniverse and we had Tommy from TFL Offroad. Awesome. Well, you guys did an amazing job. It was so fun to be along on that adventure with you. I had a team as well. I had Kristen Canning and I had Kristen Shaw on my team and they were both amazing. We had an incredible adventure as well. But for one of the team exercises, we had all of us were there together and I was able to watch you guys do your things and you you crushed it. So thanks. It really yeah. impressive. It was super fun. It was cool because uh, as you know, all the teams were put together without our knowledge. We kind of knew maybe a couple days before who our team was going to be. Um, so some some of us knew of people or a little bit, but almost all the teams, I mean, I'd met Tommy at some events, but I've never met Jeff and we all got along really well and it worked out great. I think your team was very similar, like worked yep. together well, um, so- which is really fun. So I think we're getting ahead of ourselves here. I don't oh, yeah. think most people know what Trek is. Ooh, good call. Yeah. Yeah. Unless what, you're like well, a you're Land the, Rover. You're, you're our resident Trek you historian. Guys did it. So. Yeah. I mean, you you drove a Trek truck for years. We only drove it for a day. So Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's, I guess it's, it's, it's the intersection of, of adventure sports and, you know, the, the, the things where you move your legs are the, the, the athletic sports, human powered, human powered things without engines and engines and four wheel driving and four wheel drive tasks and technical driving. Um, it's kind of a condensed more realistic version of, I guess, what Camel Trophy is yeah, for, for the sure. modern days. You know, as we kind of, you know, interviewed Duncan Barbour, yeah. y- you couldn't really replicate Camel Trophy these days. Never. Pretty but difficult. I think like Trek, well, first Trek was started out, I guess, as that it was, a, you know, an inter-dealer competition meant Still to kind of, meant to, meant to promote, you know, the, the lifestyle that is the, the Land Rover brand and, and what it's supposed to be and not just like yeah, the whole idea behind Land Rover releases to soccer moms. The whole idea behind Trek is to keep dealer uh, employees and dealerships motivated and focused on the Land Rover experience, not just selling trucks, but what the what the truck should be used for and what Land Rover uh, hopes that people aspire to use the trucks for. Yeah. So you guys are on the media leg. They kind of put on, you know, there was the dealer leg, right? So we, we went first. Yeah, you guys went first. The media so went we were first. The guinea pigs. Yeah, totally. Well, they, I think they did like a little test the day before. Yeah, test with some of the suppliers the day before. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so. kind of cool. That's kind of cool. And then they had. Uh, how many teams were there this year? It was six in, or seven, something like that. Was it in Asheville? Media teams. It was in Asheville at the Biltmore, and there were six media teams yeah. and 70 uh, dealer teams this year. It's the largest trek ever. So wow. I believe it was the sixth Trek event in the U.S. There was three or four in the 90s. And then there was a couple in the early 2000s. And then 
2019, and then this one. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And we all, many of us know Sean Gorman. He is, he does a lot of special events for Land Rover and he was the event coordinator. He's the one who came up with many of the, the crazy tasks that we had yeah. to complete. Um, he also does do some writing for Overland Journal as well. So it was really cool to see him there. And I think he and his team did such a, an amazing job. I mean, the the tasks were highly varied, which I think was really fun. And like for me, I literally felt like I was a kid. I felt like the same That's energy, awesome. the same energy that I felt when I picked up that first oil drive magazine with a camel trophy on the cover. And I, and it brought me back to all of those things that I was so excited about. Um, they didn't give us a lot of warning before we were going just a couple weeks. So I got right into doing two a days and yeah, you exercised. I did. I did. I was running like miles and miles a day to yeah. get ready for it. So it was really fun. I did the opposite. I, uh, I knew that the physical challenges, I had some back issues recently, so I didn't want to work out that way, but the physical challenge would be tough, but I know I could hold my own, even if I got to grid it out and make it happen. But the technical challenge, they kind of gave us a hint as to a few of the things it's the same information. I believe they gave the dealers. It was stuff like you need to know how to use a high lift to lift things and to winch things as mm-hmm. a come along. You need to know um, how to use uh, sand ladders. You need to know how, what the, how a Land Rover Defender works and mm-hmm. off-road and the different modes. You need to know some Land Rover history. You need to be physically fit. That was kind of about it. And, oh, that was and about a, it. a map, a compass, and a handheld yeah. GPS, a very specific unit. So they gave us some little uh, YouTube links to some tutorials through like REI and some other online stuff. Um, some of them weren't great, but they were easy to find other ones that were quite uh, good at giving that information. So I just kind of watched a bunch of YouTube channels to get, I've touched and done all of those things in the past, but hadn't touched a high lift in four or five years. I sold my high lift with my last truck. <laughs> yeah. It was I, like I the day, it was the day before I left and Matt, I, I Matt sees me out there. Like, I'm, I mean, I, I've done so much high lifting in my life, but it not for years. Like yeah. I haven't done it for years. And so I'm like, I think I remember all of that. And of course, they're like a really useful tool for four wheel drive trainers to scare their students. <laughs> That is, that is that is a accurate, a little obscure, but uh, view on that. But yeah, I learned how to use a high lift jack. Okay, cool. You'll never use it. Not well, that they're actually not useful. They're very useful. They, they, There's they, a four wheel drive trainer out there that's roiling on the internet. But they they are useful, but they're actually getting more and more specific in their use. In the fact yeah. that most modern vehicles are you actually can't aren't. use them with them, like a long travel Wrangler. Like good luck with that. I mean, they just don't have enough. Well, how about lift. The, how about the Defender we were in? Yeah. How many points could you actually high lift off of? Yeah, very, you could only few. reverse it. Other than, well, you could from yeah, you the could down, use it as a winch. down low on the, and we you did use it as a winch. It's different, but yeah. lift points on a vehicle. Yeah. yeah. You, I guess you can use them on the wheels with the little adapter. Correct. We didn't have that, but things. yes, you could use them in the rear on the lunettes. Um, use it with the little extension piece mm-hmm. on the lift points under the vehicle. Like you yeah. can okay. use the regular scissor jack. Correct. And you can use them on the recovery so points. If, if it's you at add the right on the front angle, or back, if the truck's at the right angle and the right situation, <laughs> you might be able to use the 90 pounds of steel strapped to your roof. Rack. So, so one of the, we'll, We'll go right into it a little bit, I think. Well, before we'll get ahead of ourselves on that, the what what trek is itself is a you get a map and there's a num there's like there was sixteen different stations mm-hmm. on the map and the map is very loose in its uh, accuracy, yeah. <laughs> um, but there were GPS coordinates for each of these numbered um, things and they each had a, a name. So yeah. one was named like Rat Trap, 
app and there's different things like that. You have no clue what they are. You can guess, but you don't really know what they are and they have a point value. Mm -hmm. And the idea is you have X amount of hours. Um, you have to be back by a certain time. For us, the thing was 3.30. You had to be back and any any minute over that time, you lost three points. I think it was even 1.30, wasn't it? Maybe it was 1.30. It was a specific time yeah, in the it was afternoon. Either I'm brain dead right now. Yeah. 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 Um, but you lost three, three points every minute you were back, which is real. That's a lot. It's in, a lot. Like, it would hurt a lot to come back late. Yeah. Um, so every, I think... I think everybody made it back just. It looked like it. Yeah. yeah. Um, we were like 12 minutes early just in case. Um, yeah. But you go around and the idea is you get this map with this information on it and no more information than that the night before uh, you head out on the trail. You really don't know. You know there's a start time, you know there's an end time and you have this map and you're trying to get the most amount of points possible in that all the challenges are your single team has to go in and accomplish it or there were two challenges where multiple teams work together to complete it. Yep. But the deal is if anybody's in the challenge when you get there, you either have to wait far enough away where you can't see what they're doing or you move on to a different one and hope that it's not busy and find it. But they're really spread out all over the Biltmore. They were. Um, so long, there's some decent travel times between each one. Yep. So it really mattered as to how you strategize to make all that happen. So that's the basic outline of what Trek is as a competition and the challenge ahead of you. Noted on the high lift, I want to get into that a little bit for uh, we, the one of the challenges, I think we were only one of two or three teams that did it is changing the tire and you had to change the tire roll it or take the tire off, roll it all the way around the vehicle and then put it back on. And then everybody get in the car and buckle up and have all the tools put back away. And that's when the time stopped and it was a timed event. And I think all the other teams use the high lift. We dove in the back, grabbed, yeah, grabbed the, it was, on, jack, it was, it was a flat, field, flat, it wasn't a bottle, it was a scissor, scissor jack, yeah, it comes with it. Sure. but it's a factor. It was in a flat field that they made us do this in. Super simple. So we, we looked at it for two seconds and we're like, okay, scissor jack now. And we use it as a team. And, and they gave like, us the base plate to put it on too. We, we put it on the ARB jack base yeah. plate. So apparently one of the other teams that we found out later didn't put it on the base plate, sure. but that raises it up a couple inches. So you're faster that way. No doubt. And it's way more stable and doesn't push into the soft ground because it's exactly. wet, soggy ground. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, we crushed that. I think we beat everybody by a couple minutes on that yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> sure. But again, it's just uh, the biggest thing about Trek and any of these type of competitions is using your head and thinking critically and then enacting and executing well. But a lot of the time there's little tricks that you can do that are well within the rules to do that. I mean, Scott, you might want to talk about like what we did in the challenge that we worked together on that was kind of a little trick that apparently nobody else has done yet or hadn't done. Remember what I was playing with the, ro with the rope line? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we were, and this was really bright on Brian's part, you had to get this, it was, this tire was in a channel and it needed to line up with three different levels of difficulty um, on an overhead beam. And you, so it was like winch, winching in, each vehicle had a winch. You had to winch in on one and winch out on the other or whatever you had to do to get it to roll and then lock in place precisely. If it didn't lock in place precisely, then you had to lower it all the way to the bottom, start over again. But Brian figured out that if you just grab the winch line and you pull on it, you could get the the tire to kind of wiggle a little bit, just that skosh that you need it to. Do, and a, do a vector pull it was on perfect. the winch yeah. line. It was yeah, synthetic it was winch line. Yeah. You use gloves. There was yeah, not much gloves. tension on it at all. So it's not no a weight deal. on it. Yeah, right. No weight on it. Um, for me, it was straight up from kayaking. So when you do uh, Z drags and different recoveries with uh, ropes and pulleys and things in a kayak, by grabbing the middle of the line, you're doing a vector pull and you're doubling your your pull. Sure. So and you have great control over it. And that was what we needed. Instead of doing a, a winch, which had a delay because it was on a um, remote, uh -huh. uh, a wireless remote. So it had a delay when you hit it. It would still spool a couple turns between when you let off the button. So it was just a fun way to like get it wiggled. It perfect. And we 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 our two teams worked together perfectly. Yeah, it was perfect. We met there 
at a really good time right towards the end of the competition and we got maximum points and beat everybody yep. on that one which was great yeah i mean they were all super fun like building the bridge the bridge was cool it's a bridge it was a puzzle yeah and bridge and a bridge puzzle. really had wet uh wet heavy oak beams yeah so it was it was a workout yeah it was very it was a very they were many of the Sounds challenges crazy. were very physical mm, but yes. there was at one point uh, one of the, like, we just could not get these two things to work. It, the spacing wasn't right. In your bridge? In our bridge. Yeah. And then Kristen uh, Shaw was like, hey, let's put it up at it at a, in like a triangle and then jump on it. Like, so that's like perfect for me. You take the 200 pound guy, just have, <laughs> have them. Ju- so she put it, they, the two Kristens, they got it lined up. And then I just jumped on top of it and it smacked in place. And the guy's like, time done. You know, so, <laughs> actually you weren't really quite done because you, you said that you're done. You got the puzzle right. But then you had to dis assemble the whole thing you to drive uh-huh. across so, the bridge with yeah. your with your land rover and, and then disassemble it the and thing. that's when your time ended yeah. yeah lots of very heavy giant logs so that was a lot of work yeah that was the second most laborious challenge in the whole thing the high lift jack one was winching or most- using a high lift jack as a come along by far was the most physically demanding i might still be hurting a little it's from that. Two, it was two car lengths of a defender winching it uphill in reverse i still have like 40 degree angle like uphill. i literally so, camera i still have the blister on my hand so that was pretty tough and it's it's like you have to be strong enough to be able to operate the jack especially once it gets vertical on the hill side it's that's a challenge and resetting and knowing how to do it and totally they were really good about staying on top of it and um, yeah they were making sure you were safety because yeah, that one could go wrong pretty quick. <laughs> super wrong, really yeah. quick. Yeah, yeah, super fun. There was so many different challenges. Um, I think the fun part was it was uh, what five media teams and one team that was uh, that had Lindsey Vaughn on it and kind of two ringers. Yeah, <laughs> to help sure. her out. Even the editor that was yeah. with them was an, a ringer. Yeah, they were super physically fit. Yeah, they knew their stuff. Uh, they'd done the Rebel Rally, the Gazelle Rally, stuff like that in the past. So they knew navigation. They knew totally. how to drive. That team was for sure the one to beat. We all knew it, and they had a three or four car entourage following them around with video cameras because they were shooting for, uh, I think, outside TV, if correct. I understand. Yeah, correct. So I think Lindsay has been a Land Rover ambassador in the past, and she's still finding her way in after her retirement from uh, professional skiing and finding what's what and working with Land Rover, I think, working towards being an ambassador again in a different capacity. No, that was, it was so fun to have, them, and they were all great. It was fun to have them there. Our team's like little personal victory was, we were pretty good at getting to the to the first truck. So this was really cool. Yeah. We, we, we start the event. They say all the navigators come up here. They give a horn off and then all the navigators need to run to this point. So I'm running and I've got a backpack and, and then a minute later they do the horn again and then the rest of the teams run down. So the doing navigation is something that I'm okay at. So, and I'm good. With Very the, good at. And I'm good with the GPS and everything. So I get down there and we were, we were quick. We, my team had, had not even arrived and I was already like, let's go. So we started running through so, the forest. So when you got to that first point, like, so, so the navigate, one person from each team ran to that point. You yeah. were that selected person that, that we, they called the navigator. We just picked yeah. somebody and that person ran down and they got a clue that had some navigational information on it, right. which allowed us to go find the trucks. Yeah. Cause right. the trucks were not, they were hidden. They weren't there, which we didn't know the night before. It was just like, you're going to be at the start line at this time. And, and it was a couple miles away. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. So go ahead. You finish the yeah. So we start run. We just start running, and and it was interesting because on my team, they and I can understand it. They're saying, well, it's it's faster to go this one direction. I said, but we don't know what's there. How dense is the forest? Are there are there going to be fences or whatever? I said, so let's stay on any traveled track that heads us in the right direction. And, and that's, and that saved us a ton of time. And we were actually, we were actually almost at the trucks. And then here comes Tommy. Is it Tommy? Uh, 
Tommy was in the front. Yeah. Yep. So Tommy was there and I was in the front. So we, we ran it, but it was, it was awesome. So we were minutes ahead of anybody else. First two as, teams at the trucks within yeah. a second of each other yeah, was right. our two teams. Yeah. yeah. And then and we came from different ways. Totally. Like our team went way longer. We stayed on main roads, like gravel roads. I, I picked that on purpose based on the sure. navigational direction we were trying to figure out. And I think you took the forest trail that went through the middle, but it was a two track. We, we did. Yeah. And I looked at that on the map and I was like, Ooh, that's shorter, but I'm not sure what's the deal is with yeah, it. Who this knows if it was a good idea or right. not. And, and then we were uh, still on foot. Yeah. So we, yeah. Were ru- we were running with full, yeah. with us. We were all had like full backpacks full of camera gear yeah, and stuff. So that totally. was the worst part. Of it. Yeah. I had like giant backpack I'm running with. What was so fun though, is, is we get to the trucks and Kristen, the Kristen's jumped in and we were gone. We were off on the road and probably still 10 minutes out is Lindsay and her team. And they see us come around the corner in one of the trucks and all of their eyes are this big. And they're, they're standing there with their hands out going, what? Cause they were still 10 minutes away from the trucks. They were so far away, but yeah. then they, of course they crushed it after that. They, you know, they're they did totally. really well on all, all of the challenges. Uh, I took a photo of the the final numbers at the end, like the score sheet. And yeah. uh, after they announced all the winners and stuff, and uh, they beat us at one or two challenges. Uh, one handily, I forget what the deal was, but they beat us a lot. Was it skiing? <laughs> <laughs> they, they definitely would have beaten us at skiing if that was an option. Yeah. It, it was chilly that morning, but no, yeah. it got warm, quite warm there. It was no was snow. it skiing on grass? <laughs> that would have yeah. been, been fun. They have grass. The one, that was they the one disappointment, there. I think, with Trek for me was that there wasn't a lot of that physical stuff. Apparently, they had some issue sourcing the kayaks or bikes or something. Yeah. So there was running, but there was no kayaking or biking which is usually a part of the track competition. Yeah. I think that would have been helpful. I was, yeah. I was looking forward to that. Me and too. Yeah. You and have, I think you the, could have won more if there was kayaks, Brian, probably. <laughs> the other thing that's interesting too, is they have like this honor system about, you can't go over 20 miles an hour. And I just, I made it just, I said, look, I want to, this is an exciting thing for me. I've never been able to do track. I may never be able to do it again. I want to finish this thing and never have any regrets. So I just, we just held a hard and fast rule on 20 miles an hour and we could see other teams doing double that, <laughs> which is too bad. It's just really too bad. So, but that's how things go. Brian looks guiltily. I, I don't think we got over 26. We did 22 to 26 miles no, an hour. Fair. Most that's of the places fair. and the really, that's fair. But all the places where it was like, you were protecting the grapes and stuff. You, there, there's vineyards yeah. there and you don't want dust on the grapes. So we oh. do 10 mile an hour through those sections. Yeah, like we were sure. really, really careful about it, but we did not hold steady at the Save 20 miles. It was well under Matt 30 for sure. Them. Yes. yes. <laughs> Matt, Matt needs his rosé. His rosé. I don't think they had rosé there. Uh, they did have not. good wine at the Biltmore actually. I was impressed. Uh, it was, I, it was such a beautiful there. property yeah, and, there. and the defenders did, they did well as we ex- have all experienced driving them. They're so capable. This is the new four cylinder defender. That yeah. It's yeah. so, so capable. And the ride quality is so exceptional and interior is amazing <laughs> because one of my team members had never driven off road and just to give them the keys to put them in the driver's seat mm. and have them feel so confident doing that. It was so perfect. It was the perfect vehicle for that. And yeah, absolutely. The, the defenders held their own. They were fully outfitted with all kinds of, bl- they were orange, which I love everything orange. Anybody that knows me. Tangiers orange. Tangiers That's orange. the color they should be. Is yeah. that the color they were? I don't believe it was tangier. I don't. Oh, maybe. It looked it, pretty similar to the. Similar. It looked, it looked proper. Yeah. It, I think yeah. it was. They looked right. It, it looked yeah. Good. We'll call it that. It was a really good orange. Like yeah. uh, it was an orange brand new Defender 110 with the four cylinder engine. Uh, I think stock, t- stock tire size, but good, good year 80s on it. Yep. Um, 
they had paint, they'd put Steelys on it, but they were painted black mm-hmm. instead of I the like white that. that comes uh, on the on the normal trucks. I like that a lot. Black roofs. They, they did have. Did. They yeah. did have black roofs. Yeah. Nice. And um, yeah, and then they had I way too much stuff on the racks. Yeah. If any criticisms I could have of the builds was why are there two fuel cans on the top? <laughs> um, well, I guess they, they, I right. guess they I mean, always historically on. had that. Yeah. Yeah. For tra- for Camel Trophy, you needed that. So yeah. maybe that's maybe. Yeah. I know Lucky Eight Off Road uh, did a bunch of the modifications and build on it with yeah. their proud Rhino brand. So they did. They built sliders, but they were not on our trucks, which I was surprised by. That was the one thing that I thought they could have used for some of the stuff, but we didn't really need it on most of our challenges. But they had a hidden winch up front, worn winch, Factor Fifty Five. Uh, that was nice. The, the, hook or yeah and then they had a full the land rover roof rack with two jerry cans a spare tire so the vehicles had two spares one Correct. underneath and one on the roof they had a no, high one on the back door oh sorry you're right back door and the oh, roof yeah, they're back door spares yep. yeah and then they had a high lift on the roof and a shovel on the roof mm-hmm. and that was all that was on the or no and then a set of uh tread pros yes. on the roof on, our, yep. on a, a mount for them and they had two recovery points on the back yeah oh, i had the dog cage in it from land rover which mm-hmm. they hung a bunch of the soft shackles and first aid kit and fire um extinguisher and a mm-hmm. number of those things in the back uh they had the factory air compressor built in they did and that was wrapped in a trek uh logo and like orange that was uh, cool print which is really neat that's fun touch, i thought the dash plaque was cool too yeah so the so the plaques on these are really so there's only 70 of these that are ever going to be built uh each dealership that enters the competition orders one for their dealership they get them fully outfitted uh with all this stuff and they pay for all that and they they get to keep that at the end of the competition so they compete in their truck we got to borrow some trucks from a number of the dealers before they used them right and then those deal then the dealers either keep them or sell them off as special limited editions but each one had a number of plaques that uh were numbered so it was one through 70 there's 70 mm-hmm. trucks and there was a plaque under the hood there was a plaque. Oh, um, I didn't see that one. Yeah, there's a, pla- a numbered plaque. I was un- distracted trying to get the breakfast burrito out from ah, the, the breakfast sandwich. They oh, told us they burrito. Were, they and were we, sandwiches. The sandwiches were quite good, but it was not a burrito as promised. <laughs> yeah, they, um, they were they were nice and hot. So when yes. you got to your first time that you had to wait for an event, you pop the hood and grab the food. Out. Got a breakfast That's sandwich. Awesome. That was, it was, good, super, it was good fuel. Ah, it was perfect. It yeah. just added to the fun of it, I thought. So. 100%. Yeah. And so they had a, like a classic looking Defender badge on the rear tailgate and that was numbered. And then under the hood, around the gear selector on the dashboard um and there was a hologram that was not numbered i don't think but it was a trek limited edition hologram in each of the b pillars when you open both doors you could find it and i believe those were all the badges and it had a uh if you look behind the glove box there is a signature there Oh, okay, cool. So that's a that's a little tip for anybody looking at a Trek truck if they have if they want but to know. Why if it's did they official. put the four cylinder in? Because these are going to be hundred thousand dollar vehicles. That's why is they didn't want it to be a hundred and forty thousand dollar vehicle. They it, literally wanted to keep the price down. Price is what I understood. There's a big price difference between the four cylinder and the V8. I don't know the number. Well, not the V8, but just like the, the six hybrid Genium. Yeah. Are they doing away with the six and they're just going to no, have this new? I don't four? think so. I think there's three options. Uh, the okay. four and is that motor, just hitting our market though. I think it was available. I mean, it goes like stink. Remember that one we were at in England and the Range Rover Sport oh, it ripped. It, it ripped. ripped. But an electrically supercharged, turbocharged hybrid Land Rover engine keeps me up at night. There's a lot of tech in that. that <laughs> a little frightening. Yeah. yeah, that's why they're four cylinders, I guess. Why a lot of the owners either lease them or pay cash for them and then trade them in after a couple of years. <laughs> the, the four cylinder had plenty of power. I um, thought it was fine. I had no problem with that. Yeah. Uh, it's turbo four, right? It is. Yeah. yeah. It had an uh, interesting power cutoff computer thing in low range when I tried to give it power. And I don't, I, I replicated a number of times in a number of situations and I couldn't figure out how to get it not to do it. I don't know if that's just the four cylinder or what the deal was, but in four low trying to do 20 mile an hour down a two was track. That, were you in rock mode? Possibly at times. Yeah, the rock, the rock mode will do 
that it, mm-hmm. and it holds the gear for too long. Yeah. If you're in the wrong, like if you're in the rocks, the power, like yeah, it was exactly. like traction control, killing me, killing exactly. the power. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, we found that mud mode was a little better. Mm. Yeah. We played with that. the roads a little bit, uh, yeah. but we rolled in low range the entire time just yeah, they because made we us, had to go re- slow. And they required, I mean, they, we started off in low range. We started off in low yeah, range, but yeah. you could do whatever you wanted in the yeah, truck and sure. make it work, but you had to go, you know, slow anyway. Yeah. So it was like, okay, why mess with this? Yeah. We just um, stayed in low range. Yeah. And on that truck, it really doesn't affect the turning radius too much. So it's not really a thing. Yeah. But the trucks were great. They handled well. I don't think anybody had a problem. Nobody had an f- actual flat it didn't <laughs> or seem, any issues. It didn't seem like it. No. Um, there wasn't any super extreme off-roading. There was definitely one challenge that we didn't get to do that looked really fun. I don't, did you get to do the one where you, you put like a, uh, they hang a little tag from your bumper or your yep. tire. And yeah. You that one was the tree. most challenging. That looked driving. awesome. And it, we just didn't get to that one. There's yeah. no way to get to every challenge in the time allotted. So you really got to be choosy about what you do, um, and try to optimize your points. Um, but yeah, so what happened with that one? Cause that one looked awesome. I, I yeah, it was kind of things. like a tank mini tank trap. Mm-hmm. And then there was a rock crawling section that you had to get up to, uh, one of the, the tags with, and that was the most difficult. So you had to get the tag near an obstacle while driving off-road close enough that you could punch it with like a hole punch from an orienteering thing, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it Sounds was on a awesome. very, in a very short lead. Right. So you'd be like Somebody off camber. Somebody work into this. Yeah. Sean, Sean did a great, Sean he did, did an a amazing great, job. Great, and, his, and his team did a great job. So, so the, the, one of them was at the top of this rock crawling field. And that one was really interesting because that was one of the few times. And in fact, it was the only time I drove all day, uh, but it was, it was really fun for me because it was difficult. I mean, mm-hmm. it was like, I, I was thinking I'm really having to pay attention to how to get this car right up to this tree without hitting the tree. But if you didn't have enough momentum, you'd spin out and it could not climb it because it was all wet from the rain. So you, it was just the right amount of like bouncing momentum okay. to get. And I asked the guy, I said, how many people have hit the trees? Like most. <laughs> <laughs> it, it poured overnight yeah. the night before. So we all, everyone camped on the field yeah. uh, the night before. So you get your info, you have dinner with everybody. They kind of tell you the rules and then you sleep in a tent in a field and it yeah. poured rain on, on the kind of the back nine of the Biltmore estate. Um, oh, kind poured. of a lot of people poor, I mean, torrential downpour. And what everybody always asks, yes, Lindsay Vaughn did sleep in a tent in the field with the rest of us. She so, did. She yeah. was great. She, I, as the first thing everybody asked online, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. She was, I mean, totally. she was off on her own. And you know, I wasn't worried about Lindsay Vaughn. I was thing. worried about the journalists. I think Land Rover did a pretty good job. I mean, we stayed at the Biltmore like hotel the night before and after <laughs> yeah. the tent. So it wasn't awful. They didn't No, <laughs> it was a, it was just a simple little two person tent. I thought it was kind of neat. The rain cover had the logo on it. So like I wanted to keep it cause it was special to me and it was plenty warm and comfortable. And it's just an REI two person backpacking tent with a REI 30 degree sleeping bag and an REI. Air pad. There was an air oh, pad. Oh, air mattress. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's a three pack. They sell at REI as a kit and it comes in a single bag. And then uh, they're all orange, which is convenient. Yeah. And uh, the tents, they had screen printed with the Trek logo for this year. So it's a kind of a limited edition cool tent. I, I think it was super, yeah, super cool. And I didn't, I didn't hear any journalists complaining. I mean, I was no. joking. No. Well, no, but you make a valid point. Yeah. You you literally make a valid yeah. point. There's a variety so. of journalists there, like all ages and abilities and you know all the above. So I, I know I, I talked to a few of them and this was the first time they'd ever, since they were a kid, slept in a tent, like yep. since they were like 17. Yep. And I was like, whoa, really? Yep. <laughs> I don't sleep in a tent very often these days. I got a nice Lexus that I can sleep inside of when I'm on the road. But sure. you know, every year or two, a couple nights in a tent happens for sure on various I, things. I loved it. I loved the fact that, that it was raining That's and great. it, it 
Like the it was so, fun. It, it was the so mood. it was it, so fun. It made it, it more so serious fun. for me. It was like, all right, it's raining. It's that horn going that but. horn going off, and we're all running to go get our waypoints. And it was. And then I, I don't know if you guys felt this way, but getting to the trucks, like I didn't know if I had made any of the right choices. Like I was, I was mm-hmm. very quick to to make decisions and to get the the waypoint in the in the device. We're all alone. There's nobody around, and I'm like, we're going to be the, this is going to be the last truck. I'm thinking, I'm starting to doubt myself. Did we run the wrong direction? Like, <laughs> totally. did you run two miles in the wrong direction over hilly totally, terrain. Totally. You're not going to make up that time. Yeah, uh, it was, it was great though. It was yeah. super fun. Yeah. Super fun. Oh, we second guessed ourselves like three times on that, like nab to the first truck. That yeah. was not as easy as it should have been. The information they gave us was not clean information, navigational information. We'll just leave it at that. But. Yeah. Well, and even, even one of the, one of the events, they had the, the waypoint completely wrong on mm-hmm. the, and I, oh, I yeah. told Sean, I'm like, Hey, Sean, you might want to fix this for the next one. Yeah. <laughs> it was totally wrong. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I know. Like, um, it was great. I loved yeah, it. Just a variety of everything. It was great. Yeah. yeah was there, great. And there was stuff that, that beat us too. Like we talked about a few that we did really well at, yeah. but the reality is like we did one called rat trap. And what that involves is this like octagon that you drive into with the truck and it's really small, like one and a quarter of the length of the vehicle essentially. And you have to drive in forward and you have to drive out forward. And you have to, so you have to get this thing turned around within this little thing without touching vertical poles on the octagon that are covered in pool noodles, like these uh, poles. Sure. I won't say impossible, but we failed, like full on failed. I, I did it first as a driver and there is a trick to it. I don't even want to give it away, but it's really hard. And I'm not even sure the trick that I found out later afterwards would have helped us any, like that's how hard it was. It seems really simple. Like just turn a car around in a box or in an octagon thing. Every time we end up in a corner, like right next to the post without touching any, but get right up to it and no way to exit except going back the exact same way we were. And we'd end up right back in the middle facing the wrong direction. It was the most frustrating thing I've ever done. So we, those situations, you also have to cut your losses. Our team were like, we spent a ton of time trying to get me through it because I was a driver and you had to get all three drivers to do this. Oh, so wow. It was like, oh man, this is going to take ages. And you only have an hour max to do any of the competitions. That's right. So we... We basically gave up. We took three penalties on me to get me out of the out of the thing. Got out, drove out, and then each person drove in and out, just forward and back. And then we took off. So we're like, we did the we did it. We tried and hopefully sure. got max. We're like, I don't know if anybody else is going to complete it, but at least we tried. And we found out later nobody else had made it to that one. It was one of the furthest away from all the other big point ones. Sure, and nobody had actually gone there. So we got max points, even though we completely failed. Well, so that's. So- Part of strategy. Strategy was huge. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, one of the ones they had was a you had to tow a vehicle trailer, yeah. and uh, it was very tight. Yeah, just like you it just was super, had to back a trailer off and yeah, you had to you had to go. Yeah, it was off road. You had to go around a loop this way and then back it up into a spot and then go forward and then go around the other way in the loop. It was very, but it's not a circle. It's it not very clean. Tight. It had yeah. these kinks in it. Yeah, it was, very, like, it was very, it was very tight. It was a wide car trailer, empty car trailer, but like a wide aluminum double axle trailer off road. But this it is how clever, this is how clever they are. This is what made it so fun is you go in, you have to hook up the the defender to the trailer. The defender, the trailer is too low. How do you solve that with a defender? Air suspension. Exactly, but nobody knew that. So like, as I'm backing up Kristen, I'm like, because you, you had to have two drivers do the same thing. So Kristen Shaw was one and I was the other driver for that. And I said, I said, back up, lower the air suspension. And the, and the guy was like, oh, you figured that out quick. <laughs> but he, he said, most, some people just, 
couldn't fit. So then they're trying to lift it themselves, Super like as a team, and it's too heavy. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. But yeah, or they would use the high lift jack to try to get it higher. Really? Yeah, but just they didn't know. What a waste know, of time. Oh but they didn't know. Yeah, well, that's the key the air suspension. part of this competition because it is for dealers. It's all about knowing the trucks. That's a big part yeah. of it. They even told us beforehand. You really got to know how the modes work, what's what, uh, the air ride, how to make the truck work the way you need it to work. And um, the night before, they did give us a little refresher on like what was in the vehicle. They let us ask questions and they would answer anything about about it with the buttons. They had one vehicle there at camp in, in the rain and um, they showed us how to use the winch and the remote control for it and everything else because a number of people hadn't used that setup on that rig. So it was it was super fun. All of it was just like... I, I was so stoked the whole day. Yeah. I mean, I, we had such a great time. I could not have asked for a better team. We laughed and we never raised our voices and we did our very best and we had just an awesome time doing it. So. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how that happened. Like on our team it was the same. It was like we all clicked. We all worked together really well. We hadn't really known each other at all and it just flowed all day long we never really had it i mean tommy and jeff are just awesome people they're awesome people i'm so stoked to have them you know as new friends like it was just amazing i really like yeah i don't know uh jeff well but tommy i know well and he's always been great to deal with absolutely yeah it was the the team the teamwork was a huge part of it like there's no way to win that without good teamwork Mm -hmm. it's impossible like and that's always been the motto of land rover and especially camel trophy like winning camel trophy is a big deal right but winning the team spirit award is what goes down in the record books as really the important thing to win at Camel Trophy back in the day. Um, so that's kind of, I know I brought that concept with me into this event is like, even if we don't win, I'm going to try to win. I'm a competitor. Like, I'm going to go out there, but I don't know my teammates. I don't really know what's going on. Like I'm going to show up and I'm just going to give it whatever I can, but I'm going to go with a smile and with helping other teams and doing whatever we can to do it the right way. Like you said, keeping the speeds down and yep. that kind of thing that you could kind of cut those corners if you were like being overly competitive and didn't care totally. about those rules. Yeah. I remember I got the invite i get this like <laughs> butterfly in my stomach and i'm and i'm sitting there and i'm thinking like oh no i can't i can't do it i said i gotta ask matt first because like it was very like, gracious like matt Matt, I mean, that was, that was my thing. Like if someone said, Hey, can you, can you, we're doing the camel trophy again. I would be like, burn overland international down. I'm going, (laughs) but, but it was, it was Trek and like that, like you drove, that was your company car when you worked here is like the Trek, you know, it was super cool to get to be 21 and have a 2003 disco with, I think it had 900, no no miles on it when we got it. So, so Matt's disco, the Trek edition that they had here at overland international for a couple of years uh, back in the I put the lift on it in that bay over there. <laughs> it still had the OJ stickers on it and stuff. Yep. They had it at the event. It was at the event. It was at the event yeah. and they had some photos with it right next to a brand new Defender. Which was really Pretty cool. Pretty slick. Yeah. Yeah. So I go, I go up to Matt and I'm like, Matt, I got an invite to Trek. You got to go. I'm like, you got to do it. You've always wanted to do it. And you're looking at the dates and you're like, I can't do it. I'll only be back from my honeymoon for one day. I was so jet lagged. Yeah. I mean, I was in Africa for two weeks. Yeah. When you drank eight gallons of rose. So like you weren't, you weren't ready to run. Yeah. You weren't ready to run. Thanks for being nice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Running. I mean, I was, I was not fit, but I was, as the Australians say, very piss fit. (laughs) <laughs> that is fitting, that is fitting for sure. uh, well congratulations brian you Thanks. did such a i was so proud of your performance and the whole team and you guys were gracious victors and I think it's a testament to you and your team members for all of your skills. It's nice to see journalists with that level of competency out competing and you guys did a great job. It was fun. We did it with a smile and, you know, uh, Lindsey Vaughn team, the stack team definitely, they came in second and gave us a run for our money. We knew, we knew the target yeah. and, um, 
Yeah, I think it was a surprise to a lot of people that we pulled it off. We did well. It was like 221 points our team yep. got, and we beat the second place team by 57 points. Yeah, you guys crushed it. A little it. bit of a margin. <laughs> no, it was really, yeah. really fun. You guys did great. We, we, we played a tactic. We had a really good strategy the night before that we came up with, and uh, we kind of went the opposite way that we knew everybody else would go, and we went big early. Uh, it worked, and we were fortunate to be with, like, not with you, but uh, get to the trucks right at the beginning with you. I mean, yeah. we we're the very first teams. Like your team was first to the trucks by yeah. like a second, yeah, I mean, like, like 10 feet. And yeah. we came from opposite directions, which yeah. is crazy that it worked out like that. But, yeah. and then finished the day together doing the team, uh, the team exercise that everybody probably did early in the day. Our two teams decided to meet there later in the day, right before the end. And we coordinated it well. We were texting back and yeah. forth. Brian and I, it was perfect. <laughs> we did it and we yeah. made it work. Yeah, I'm like sweating on a high lift, trying to get a defender <laughs> up a hill with a winching a high lift on with a text in one hand, Scott, like, we'll be there in five minutes. I got one more length. We got to, we're going to make it. That's so awesome. It was so good. So thanks to Land Rover for Absolutely. inviting us. Uh, it was a total joy to do that. So Absolutely. Awesome. And and also thanks to my teammates, the Kristens, Kristen Shaw and Kristen Canning. You were both fantastic and I'll go race any race with you to anytime. So, and we thank you all for listening and we'll talk to you next time. Peace.